You're listening to DraftKings Network. On this episode of the Cooligans, it's Women's Soccer Day. We have three segments for you guys covering all of everything about women's soccer. We have a great interview with Evan Davis, who's a writer for 442 for Deadspin, uh, former for comedian, uh, great, great interview. Also, we talked to a player who, who's trying to get into the Professional Women's Soccer League uh, in the NWSL, Tori Corsaro. Uh, great, heartwarming story about someone really grinding it out and trying to make it professional. We're getting it from all angles. We're learning a lot about women's soccer today. That and a little more on this episode episode of the Cooligans. This is the Enjoy, and you're listening to the Cooligans. Yeah, everybody. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Cooligans. The first Cooligan special. Yeah, this is our uh, Woso. Our Woso. Yeah, women's soccer. Uh, is that the... Is people that people is that use people it. Want, people know. use it. It's not a. It's not as popular as Dude, women's is, soccer. Is, uh, is I guess the conversely is it meso, uh, meso, meso, <laughs> meso woso. Uh, well, it sounds like know, a hip neighborhood in New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's actually just behind a dumpster, but all the kids are moving there. Uh, we don't talk a lot about women's soccer. We've brought it up in the past, um, and that's sort of what the point of this episode is. And I know a lot of the fans, you know, women's soccer clearly very popular. Three point six million people watched us lose to Sweden. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so you know, women's soccer team, and I think the national team gets a lot of attention. We don't pay any attention to the uh, NWSL, yeah. and you so know the National Women's Soccer League, which they they have a professional league. There's a couple teams on there. I, I believe it's like twelve, something like ten, maybe. Uh, uh, we'll we'll confirm that. Yeah, we should have looked how, it up. This is how little we know about. Yeah, the this is this is why we're doing this episode. Uh, uh, but but that's what what the whole purpose of it is to sort of uh, get the the popularity, get the name get out there, get to let people know that there is a women's league. You know, when when it when it comes to World Cup. Uh, an international tournament. There, there's no shortage of viewers. People are watching. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like people don't know. That and the we're w- the best in the world. Exactly. So there's no. It's not like th- people don't know the women's game exists. You know. Yeah. Uh, but there what is. Do you have? Do you have a defining moment of women's soccer in your mind? Do you have like a moment that pops up when you think of women's soccer? Um, I would say for me the the last World Cup when they lost to Japan. So no, the previous, but the previous ones, one. I like. I was younger, so I I knew about it, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, cool that this is happening." Um, yeah. But I didn't pay attention You're to. Like, it. I'm very glad that they have the same opportunity <laughs> no, no, as a young I, child. I didn't pay attention to soccer that much at all, so it was just like more of a a, a big story because it was. The, the women won and, and, and Brandy Chastain and the whole. Yeah, that was probably I think that's the most iconic moment it, in women's it, soccer. It was general, like yeah. it, it was iconic to me for the for the sake of like an American storyline. Yeah. But when it came to. And uh, I'm not going to lie, as a young boy, I was like, oh, my God, someone's taking the top off. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was all that mattered to I'm, me at that moment. <laughs> but you grew out of that. And yeah. Yeah. No, now it's a, so much more than that. But yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, at first, we, it, also, you have to think of the climate like. You know, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was in the U.S. Uh, where that that game took place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everyone was talking about it. And as a soccer fan, I kind of paid attention to it. But I was a little annoyed that, you know, people weren't talking about men's soccer. All of a sudden, we're talking about women's soccer. I'm like, what about 
all the soccer I've loved. What about Arsenal and all the stuff yeah. I've tried to talk to you guys about? All of a sudden, that doesn't matter anymore. You got me and Ham and Brandy Chastain running around crazy. Um, but I remember now that I look back at it, just how important it is. And uh, I would say for me, along with the last World Cup, this last one that just passed where the U.S. women won again in amazing fashion, Carly Lloyd crushing exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Um, there's always the talk of like, is the U.S. even that good at soccer, women's soccer? The rest of the world doesn't allow their women to really play in a lot of places. They don't have nearly the talent. And I think you can make a strong argument to say that are we beating comparable level opponents? Maybe not all the time. But when you see players like Alex Morgan and Hope Solo, some of the saves she makes, uh, makes you know, some of the amazing runs and scoring uh, that that you know Alex Morgan does, Carly Lloyd crushing a goal from, you know, halfway down the pitch i mean that's these are all things that like heavily talented people can do so it's not i've always i've always had that in the back of my mind that the average argument that um you know men's soccer fans only would say is like oh they're beating up on a bunch of people that don't even know how to play the sport it's not true you know no, these, are, it, these are high high world-class yeah, talented people clearly there's some countries that don't have the resources sure that the, the united states has but when it comes to the germany's the sweden's the england's like Brazil. Yeah, they're trying are, to win. Yeah, these are talented squads and look and they and there's a reason the 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 US didn't just sweep through the Olympics, right? Yeah. So, uh it, it isn't it, losing the, the, to their old coach tough. Uh yeah, Pia Sundhagen. It, it it isn't uh a, a valid argument anymore, I would say. No, it's not. And I, but I can understand where that argument is coming from, you know. It's sort of like what people say about like Barca and Real Madrid at La Liga, you know, they're competing about against people that aren't par on par with their talent. But one of the things that we have to start saying and because it's true is you look at some of these um players they're world class, regardless of the fact that they're men or women. You know, these mm -hmm. are these are absolutely world class. And, you know, you, you know, I think a lot of male sports fans know, you know, Alex Morgan because of some of the, you know, photo shoots she's done. That's a, that'd be an interesting way to categorize yourself. Like, I'm a male sports fan. No. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I like sports, but like they got to have penises. Uh, it's very which, important to me that everybody yeah. has the genitalia that I, I have. <laughs> like, if you don't be standing up, I don't want to watch you play sports. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I would love to hear someone try to make that claim. That would be hilarious. And we'd just be like, guy, keep talking. <laughs> this, this is going to get better the more you go. Um, but, you know, so I think like, you know, there were comments about like, we don't need the pinup girl and all of these. And you got Hope Solo saying whatever the hell she damn well pleases. They really should stop interviewing her after she's drank whiskey. Uh, you know, you've got all these things that go back and forth. And I think one of the things that you and I know about ourselves is that we're big soccer fans, but we're very ill equipped to talk about the women's game. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I would say so. I'm less the, uh, I'm not as confident in my knowledge yeah, when no. it comes to the women's game, especially, you know, uh, uh, the, the, in, in the U S when it comes to professional, uh, uh, the, the like the club game, the club game. Yeah. yeah it, it is. It, it's something that, uh, we know even for a, a lot of, uh, women's professional sports, they're, they're not, they're not heavily televised. They're not, uh, yeah, know, marketed not, very well. So it's difficult right. to outside of the, the, the international game, it's difficult to even have any information for sure about and it because it's, it's not being thrown at you. You have to like, uh, right. If you want to find it, you can find it. But exactly. if you don't know, you'll never know. Yeah. And, and if you don't know, now, you know, now, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> baby, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so here's what we've done. 
because we understand our fans are probably a lot like us, and you don't have a lot of knowledge about the women's game, but you understand that it is a very beautiful way of the uh, you know sport, and you you love the game of soccer, and you want to know, hey, the women's team team in the U.S. is doing so well. They a little bit of a hiccup recently. Tell us more. Here's what we're going to do for you guys. Uh, we called on our friends. We have two friends. One, Evan Davis. Absolutely amazing, amazing uh, sort of journalist or beat writer, whatever he wants to call himself right now. We've known him back when he was a comedian, yeah. Um, but now he's really taken a, a you know a really strong. He got um, he got out of the gang. He uh, got out the game. He he still he, you know he still has the tattoo, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he got to, beat down. He's gonna have times. to he's gonna have to live with that. But, but yeah, so he, now he's a sports writer, and one of the things that he loves covering is the women's game, especially the club game. So uh, we brought him into the studio, third mic for the first time in a long time, uh, and we kind of give him an open opportunity to really talk to us and uh, we asked a lot of questions about the women's game and then we're going to try to do something a little different in the third segment Uh, we're going to try to give you sort of an idea of what it's like from the inside Uh, we have a friend whose uh, sister-in-law is uh, trying to get into the women's league she just graduated college we're going to interview her hear what her struggles are like hear what it's like from the inside out because that's something that i think you and i had a little bit of a of an awakening when we spoke to someone who used to be a professional uh women's uh soccer player in mexico that's right and she told us that you know they they got fed and they got housed but they only made 50 bucks a week yeah which is a a stipend yeah and i mean you know it's what are you gonna do with that so it is yeah it is a struggle and hearing that 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 side of the story especially like we we know ml players don't make much money right uh but they they make a living wage yeah they make yeah they're they're driving like new cars <laughs> yeah they you know there's a kia maybe yeah, but it's a come on know. it's not bad no? <laughs> it's they got good. the backup camera now it's not bad <laughs> but um but w- when it comes to the women's game a lot of these women uh do not make uh much money very just very little it, it, it's it's basically enough money to go to and from games you know yeah. things like that so and uh, and you know also, these are the those are the ones who are successful. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to be talking to someone who's on her way to being successful, but isn't just there there just yet. So, uh, hopefully, this this opens your ears and your eyes and your hearts a little bit more to women's soccer, and hopefully, it does for us as well. Um, I don't know that we're all of a sudden going to be covering it as much as we cover the men's side of the game, but now we have some people that we can draw on to give our fans a little bit of information on that women's side of the game. Exactly. Even after uh, we after we did these interviews, I did feel a little bit more. Uh, uh, not just generally interested in the game, but like uh, have you know when you have an emotional connection right, right, right. to to the game. He, just even hearing uh, Tori Corsaro's story, who we're gonna talk to in the in the third, third segment. Second, yeah. Uh, but the, it, 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 this happens to me all the time. It, like sometimes, uh, you know, you hear a song on the radio, and it's like whatever. It's like you know, oh, that's a song that I've heard. But yeah. then, like, say you hear the song in a movie, and then all of a sudden you see characters attached to this song, right. like, in, in some sort of defining moment. It attaches an emotion and to it. And then all yeah. now, all of a sudden, when I hear the song, I'm like, oh. This I is, did like that. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did like this song this whole time. Yeah. yeah. So, guys, why don't we do this? We're going to take a little break, and then when we come back, we'll be talking to Evan Davis. And uh, from there, we'll talk to Tony Carsaro. Tori Carsaro. Tori. Sorry. My fault. Uh, <laughs> Tony, talk to Tori. Tony. You know what? I wrote it down. I looked down, and my R looks like an N. <laughs> That's why. My fault, Tori. Uh, so we'll talk to Tori after that and uh, give you guys a little bit of insight into what happens in the women's game after this. Hey, everybody. We're cutting into this break real quick. We will just ask you guys a quick favor. For those of you who are listening on iTunes, first of all, all of our fans have been great for sending us messages and tweets and telling us how much you love us. We love you guys back. We can use one more favor. If you guys are listening to us on iTunes, get on there and leave us a five-star review. It would be huge. Yeah, just, uh, you know, uh, uh, go on iTunes. Leave a nice little, click the little stars. Uh, write a nice little message to us. That'd be really great. It'll help us in the iTunes ranking and more people will get to hear about the show. Uh, so that's all we want to do. 
we want more people to know about the show. Yeah, the, the show bigger that, we get, the better it gets. Yeah, the show that you love already, you just want more people to hear about it. So yeah, we need cool. all the love in the world is what we're saying. <laughs> but if it would really help us go out those rankings, there's a lot of other podcasts on there, which I know we're, are nowhere near as entertaining as ours. And certainly they don't put in the effort that we do. And we love you guys as fans. And we're trying to give you guys the most entertaining podcast as possible. If you can go on there and leave five stars and a quick little review, it would really help us out. It would be huge. We'd be very, very grateful. Thanks, guys. The Cooligans are back. We are back, guys. Ah, this, oh, man. We, we told you a little bit about this. Uh, for those of you, the fans of uh, women's uh, soccer, boy, do we have someone who is uh, going to sort of uh, let us all in on what's happening in the back. I, I think it's uh, been in too, the backstage it, area. Been, what do you say? It's been a long time. I mean, we, we've been wanting to get him on for well, you've, a you've, while. Uh, and, and who we're talking to without saying, ladies and gentlemen, uh, reporter to the stars, uh, journalist to the stars, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Unless you're driving, put your hands together right now for Evan Davis, everybody. Hey, hey, Evan, thanks for being here, man. So great uh, that you want to talk about women's soccer. So you called a white man to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if anyone Good knows choice. about women's soccer, <laughs> it is a white well, guy. Well, it's a little. It's it's more specific to you. We know you very well. It's true. Uh, we as, uh, a, as an ex failed comedian. As an right. ex failed. Yeah, we call. Oh you, no, you're always a failed comedian. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Touche. So so are we. Well, yeah. Are, are you kidding me? I'm keeping good company. Yeah. 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 Are you kidding me? We know. I mean, the struggle, bro. I, I mean, I, I don't think you should have gotten that failed comedian tattoo on your forehead, but <laughs> it's a bit much. But at least it covered up the Drake tattoo. Uh, uh, but you, just, I, I thought Drake just has failed comedian kind of like built into it. Yeah, we, depends uh, on how you see you. We, yeah. we, we I've known you for years uh, from yeah. comedy. We, yeah. we, we almost pretty much started around the same time. Uh, That's probably true. I remember the first time I ever saw you on stage, you were wearing the the nattiest suit I'd ever seen. Oh, someone suit. who is in the basement uh, of a bar doing an open mic where I thought it was a little ostentatious. I judged you. I was in a suit. I, well, I I'm think, judging him right now. I, I think sharing, I was, I was, thank you for sharing this with the Cooligans no, no, fans. I was either coming from something or going to something. I yeah. don't remember. Well, I think we all are at all times. <laughs> but but why know, the fuck I mean, were you wearing a suit? You guys know how it is like when you go to an open mic and everybody is just dressed in jeans Yeah, and they're dressed like sneakers. they were panhandling five yeah. minutes yeah, before exactly. they got there. Which they probably were. And then all of a sudden, you know, Polanco shows up. You got Stevie's suit jacket over here. And Justin Timberlake. <laughs> That's fine with me. I'm fine. Like I, I think at the time I didn't think. I, you know, you don't know the comedy faux pas. You right. know, when you when you start out as a comedian. And there so, he is. You walk right into one. <laughs> I used to I used to go on stage in a in a thong speedo. Yeah, yeah. And people were like, believable. By the way, for those of us who've seen you perform. Yeah, I, I was yeah. just like, okay, well, this is an interesting bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, really, it just really fit my stage persona. I actually thought it was interesting bits. Oh, uh, there we go. There it is. Uh, but uh, like. Seal that up nicely. <laughs> now let's get to why yeah. Evan is here. Evan, yes. Evan was always a, a, a huge soccer fan. Uh, well, that's one of my favorite uh, first memories is I just mentioned soccer and you and I immediately had like an hour long conversation. Yeah, that was outside was, a cabin one night, I think like in 2012. Yeah, I was like, I like this guy. Yeah, I like yeah. this guy a lot. Yeah. For those of you who are wondering what cabin, it's the Chick-fil-A in the East Oh Village yeah, cabin's there. gone. I've been out of comedy for like a year and a half and I didn't yeah. realize the cabin just got shut down. That's cabin right. is and gone. And now the show itself is gone. Is, is gone after moving around. A couple like, of yeah, two or three thoughts. But, said, uh, I mean, if you loved comedy, uh, if you were living in New York City and you loved great stand-up comedy, like Cabin was the show. Yeah, for it was near the top of the seven list. or eight years. Yeah, it was the alt seller is the easiest way to explain. Yeah, what it was. every Thursday night. And what was so special about it was a it was a great room. It's a tiny room. Yeah, in the back of a bar, sealed off because you go you to these so many of these bar shows. It's a curtain. Yeah, so many of these bar shows that are just like in the back of the room, and you know yeah. there are patrons who are just trying to get their drink and their fuck on, and nobody wants to listen to. 
trying to get their fuck on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I got my fuck on. A I am times disgusted like that. that I just said that. Yeah, before. no. I, I feel gross. I got to be honest. I think that was Christian Sue talking. <laughs> Can I tell you? I was just at a. I was at a. I was at a conference uh, in Boston, and I like was. This wearing, sounds like the beginning of a bit, doesn't it? And I was wearing. I was. You know, I had my like douchey haircut, and right. I had like a, a blazer, and I gave somebody my card, and my cards got like thicker cut. Of course, uh, yeah, yeah. And it was like nice card style. Somebody, just somebody, American gra- Psycho. Like the guy, you know, <laughs> the guy I was talking to is like he's a he used to be like the backup catcher for the Chicago Cubs and like is now like their catching analyst in their minor league system. And he yeah. like takes my card and he looks me up and down. And he's like, Jesus, Patrick Bateman, are you gonna like take <laughs> yeah, yeah. me back and you know launch into a disquisition about Huey Lewis before you stab me? Yeah. <laughs> so I know I have that personality. But Cabin, I mean, it was it was so much fun because it had that back room it was tight it was a great comedy room and the other part of it was that everybody went everybody hung yeah the out. whole almost the entire community was thursday there. night what was the thing you would always say is like yeah. you guys go in a cabin later yeah even if you had a show before it or after you would go exactly. to cabin you always so that's where to we met. and we talked a lot yep. about soccer you weren't a massive fan of the women's game at that point were you no i got into women's soccer i think in like the fall of 2014 and that was mostly just because you know i just felt like well if I'm going to be a soccer fan, I have to learn everything I can about. Yeah, all be a fan of all of, the of it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, you know the women's sport is you know uh, you know lightly uh, uh, you know sort of uh, you know it's not it's not as mentioned as much in the media, even though it kind of should be just with the you know and the, that's changing a lot. I mean, I think the the sea change. Well, in 1999, uh, in the Women's World Cup, which was played in the U.S. Yeah, a huge the, moment. U.S. won, uh, beat China in the final on penalties. It was their second World Cup victory. It was a huge moment. Like 93,000 people were at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena for that game. Huge, huge moment in women's soccer. It's what helped launch the first professional club league, right. which was uh, the WUSA in 2001. Um, but then interest quickly dipped. And then in 2011... Uh, we had this great comeback victory against Brazil in the World Cup quarterfinals in Germany, and that's when the needle started pushing the other way, and, yeah. and, the, and popularity slowly grew and grew. And then the team won the World Cup last year, and then it's really, really starting to take off, and you're seeing a lot more mainstream uh, media. And it doesn't hurt to have legitimate stars. I mean, I know yeah. Wambach is out, but yeah. you know, I don't think there's... I, I honestly bet you there's people out there who know who Alex Morgan is and doesn't know she plays soccer. You know what I That's, mean? That might be true because she is such a media personality. Yeah, for um, sure. And she's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's good. That's good for the sport. I know there's been some backlash towards, like, you know, pinup girls because they do use, you know, her beauty sometimes a yeah, little bit more than they I use mean, anything else. But That rubs me the wrong way. And especially because she's... That they use her beauty or that the pinup girl comment that was made? Both of them. I think that... I mean, no one would argue that she's an objectively attractive human being, but she also is. I'm here to argue that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but funny real, you should say that. The real, the real rub of it, though, is that she's one of maybe the, I don't know, one of the five or six best strikers in the world. And yeah. And th- I think that what kind of riles me up and what riles a lot of women soccer fans up is that that's not the first thing that a lot of people might think of when they think of Alex Morgan. You know, is it might, it might just striker. be like, oh, she's the hot girl. Where it's right. like, no, actually, she is a beast in the 18-yard box. Yeah, she's a monster, too. But, you know, that's probably happening with Cristiano Ronaldo, too, right? Not I to mean, the same degree. I not think. to the same degree, but and, come on. And, I think and, we can agree. Is, like, that's the other double standard, right? Like My wife knows who Cristiano thought, Ronaldo is, doesn't know what team he plays for, but knows what his abs look like, you know? Yeah, but also, you know, the first thought that I think the majority of people are going to have when they hear the name Cristiano Ronaldo is... 
one of the three best play- soccer players in the world. In the history. Maybe one possibly, of the ten yeah. best players in the history of the game. For sure. And then he's also got ridiculous abs. Right. You know, whereas I think a lot of Alex times... Alex Morgan, it's reversed. People it's like, reversed. beautiful. Oh, yeah, she plays soccer? Is she any good? And that's a very, very <laughs> serious... Know? That's a very, very serious double standard that I think a lot of women's players have to deal with, and I don't think that they should have to. I think they're talking about it, too, now in the Olympics. You know, there's a lot of talk of, like, look how hot these athletes are yeah. they're mostly women as opposed to yeah. like yeah that girl just won a lot of gold medals can we talk about that first yeah, exactly like, don't shy i mean i'm sure you know like i think someone like um i think alex morgan when she did the uh the the swimsuit paint thing they asked her like you know yeah. why would you do that and she's like you know look i work really hard and it's nice to be looked at this way sometimes and i think she said like i'm gonna look back when i'm older and have these beautiful photos of myself yeah. and it's a shame that that as opposed to taking that great sentiment we're all just going like oh she's hot as opposed to like what a great soccer player happens to be a human being and right. a woman who wants to look back on her life and say she's accomplished all these other things well, so, but someone has to like sort of take the charge and changing that uh, uh, culture to some degree Why because we got Evan here well, that's what I'm doing. Well, that's, and that's <laughs> great well, because because like look even in the Olympics well, such a common uh, story has been uh, uh, diminishing uh, uh, women's uh, successes right like right. The, the girl who uh, is married to to uh, a, a Chicago bear I think uh, I forgot she, she, she married to some uh, another athlete right and the headline was wife of Chicago oh, yeah. bear and that was, a, that was in a Chicago paper that did that yeah. yeah and somebody wrote the counterfactual when Michael Phelps won a gold and the headline was like fiance of former Miss California wins 25th gold exactly medal. to show you that like that would never happen to him yeah that would athlete. never happen uh, what there's a lot of things that are happening and I want to talk about yeah, um, yeah. the Olympics and I want to talk about, you know, hope solo being like, you know, the anti-hero yeah. um, and is that necessary in the sport? We're going to talk about that in a second, but sure. where do you think women's soccer is now? Um, and where do you think it's, do you think it's, is it advancing towards becoming more popular and something that's more thought of in, in the general, you know, uh, you know, a mind of, of soccer fans? Cause I know myself, I mean, I know some of these players, I don't really take a lot of interest in the woman's game. Mm-hmm. Well, um, in, in the clubs, or because I mean, I, when it comes to no, the international, national team, national I think, teams, I'm on board. Well, of course, you know, you're wearing the red, white, and blue. I'm behind you. You know what I mean? Uh, but no, I mean, I'm I, I'm not watching a Thorns versus Pride game. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And not because I don't want to, but it's it's not something that piques my interest for some strange reason. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I love the sport of soccer. I get, you mm-hmm. know, I love breaking down the tactics and everything. Would is it going to get to that point where I think more and more people, less people, are going to be thinking the way I do, and more people are going to be thinking the way you do? I think so. Um, the National Women's Soccer League is the pro club league in the United States. Um, right. It uh, it's in the middle of its fourth season, and the reason I mention that is because there's never been a pro club league women's league in the U.S. that's ever made it to a fourth season. You before. told me that, and I was shocked wow. because I thought, what was the league that had like the Magic Jack in it? You know. Yeah. So we'll get to that. So the first league. Okay, is this is league. your interview. All right. Oh yeah. <laughs> you oh, yeah, tell I me. Thought... You tell me when we talk about it <laughs> on my podcast. No, God, I'm sorry. Well, I mean. <laughs> We're going to go on, on cuteness. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I think we know who's going to win. <laughs> this guy right here. Uh, so, no, the, the WUSA, which is the league I mentioned earlier, that was the first women's pro league. It was started by a guy named John Hendricks, who was the CEO of Discovery Communications. He ran the Discovery Channel. Right. And he basically saw the 99 uh, Women's World Cup, which was played in the U.S., which is a massive success. Like Rating the, success. Everything. Rating success. I mean, the first women's group game, which was at the old uh, the old uh, uh, Giant Stadium in, in the Meadowlands. They sold like 80,000 tickets, 93,000 at the final in Pasadena. Huge, huge event. And he was like, well, we could get a pro club league going. And so he launched the WUSA, and uh, the league just bled money um, left and right. Poor, and, poor joke. Uh, 
Wow. <laughs> Uh, that was your Donald Trump moment. Wow. You took that out of my hands, gave it an wow. intent that I did not intend. Boy, wow. Wow. That. I don't know whether we're applaud or smack you, but it's the same sound. Good bit. It's a good bit. Yeah, it's a good it, bit. Is it, is it in poor taste, though? You know what I say? Unfriend. Oh, that's yeah, what I say. So, Jesus. We are subtweeting on your podcast. Do we? And by we, I mean you are yeah. subtweeting oh, on I'm, your podcast. I'm, I'm doing it all. Uh, we're anyway. we're going to move past that. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll go past it. It was fine. A good moment. <laughs> they lost a ton of money. Yeah. And uh, the league folded after three seasons. And then there was this weird gap where there was no uh, pro league for about six years. What did what did the um? Because I know they have. There's the Arsenal ladies and the Chelsea ladies over and, in or, the England. French. French have uh, you know I remember yeah Lyon PSG played, are the two big Bordeaux, clubs in France. Right, Rapino played for Bordeaux. No, she played for Lyon. Lyon, Olympique, okay. Olympique Lyonnais. Uh, yeah. So I mean, there was there's some leagues in Europe, but it was still not so common for players to go and play in Europe in that kind of weird six year gap. And then. The next league, which was called uh, WPS, launched in 2009, and the whole idea was that they were going to be much more fiscally responsible, and all the same problems happened and more. A lot of money was lost, and then the thing you referenced is a team called Magic Jack, which was started, uh, basically this guy named Dan Barslow, who's based in Florida, ran this. Scam. Like, he ran, basically, it was like a scam company where he invented a piece of technology that allowed you to make phone calls on the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I, Which I, was like pre-Skype. <laughs> popularity it's like yeah. it was like vonage so yeah it was like, kind sort of, of it, was like, it was like it was a usb plug that had exactly. a telephone a telephony plug in it that's right and that's all you did was hook up your landline to the usb so he bought and uh, I, don't, I still don't know how it worked but he apparently made a killing and it never really actually worked so then he bought out the washington freedom which was the team in dc and then just on a whim decided to move the team down to florida they played at a college stadium that had like three thousand seats and then he just threw tons and tons of money at players to have the best players in the league. Um, there were rampant uh, uh, behind-the-scenes accusations of sexual harassment on Boris Lau's part. Uh, there's an article in ESPN, the magazine, that kind of charted this. It was a very, very controversial uh, situation. And he wasn't the only problem in the league. A lot of teams folded in those three years. Um and but Boris Lau was kind of the thing that got it over the hump and yeah. the league folded after three years. So then that's when U.S. soccer stepped in and said, like, well, if we're going to have a women's pro league, then it's probably going to have to be subsidized in part by the Federation. And this so the Federation I, is paying. the So, yes. Yeah, right? So the way that the NWSL is structured is that uh, all the U.S. women's national team players um, their salaries aren't paid by their clubs. They're actually paid by the Federation. Right. So that helps defray um, salary obligations for the teams. There's a very, very strict salary cap uh, in place uh, for year four. I believe it's at $278,000 a year for, for a the whole team for a 20 player roster. So these which guys is are incredibly small. If you guys don't know necessarily anything about how soccer rosters are constructed, the sm- a small roster is like 25 players. Yeah, no, I think the 23-man roster is what we and always hear. And that's the standard kind of like international when you yeah. go to a tournament. So to have 20 players is is very, very restrictive. So like the salary floor is uh, about $7,000 for a six-month season. And the salary, uh, the highest salary, if you're a non-national teamer, is about $38,000, $39,000. What are these players doing in the offseason? A lot of them cannot uh, afford to just be a soccer player. So what they'll do is um, either they'll get loaned out to clubs uh, for half a year in Europe, or they'll go play in the Australian League, which is called the W League. And that 
uh, season actually kind of lines up nicely with the NWSL in that it starts and plays only in the fall. So you, um, but a lot of these loan deals, what people don't necessarily know is that you don't get to uh, accrue a salary when you're out on loan. You only get their, your expenses paid. Um, so you're not earning an additional salary. And then the NWSL is only, was only paying you your yeah. six month club salary for when you're in the United States. So you're not actually making any extra money. You're, you're just, just getting, getting training expenses. time. You're yeah. just or surviving. Yeah. You're basically surviving Jeez. and you're doing it so you can train in a high competitive environment. So it's very, very tough, especially if you're on that low end of the salary. And then on top of all of that, you know, when, uh, when women, when the national team players go away for the World Cup last year, or when they go to the Olympics this year, a lot of teams supplement their rosters with amateur players who aren't even paid at all, and they kind of string them along on the promise that you're maybe going to earn a professional contract after you do uh, your season as an amateur, which doesn't happen for a lot of players. It happens for some, but it doesn't happen for a lot of them. What's it going to take to change that? Is it just becoming more popular? I wrote an article for 442 USA about this, and I talked to owners, I talked to an agent, I talked to players, I talked to coaches, and basically what everybody agrees on is that the system does need to change. Um, owners like Merritt Paulson, who owns the Timbers yeah, and in the MLS Thorns, and right? owns the Portland Thorns in the NWSL, basically says, I do not operate in a market that can sustain amateur players. Something has to change immediately. And he's right. I mean, the Thorns average almost 16,000 a game, which blows every other women's club team in the U.S. out of the water. Yeah. Not to mention that he sells out every Timbers game. I mean, Portland's a soccer mad city, as your listeners know. So From last week's episode, yeah. Yeah, so he basically says, like, we cannot be putting out a product that is uh, that doesn't have the best quality. Um our fans demand a fully professionalized setup. So I think he and some owners like him are really, really pushing for changes. Uh, you, you talk well, what to does a, that say for the markets? I mean, you can't just have Portland playing Orlando every single week. What does that say for the markets that can't withstand Well, I was that? just going to say, so the owner of the Chicago Red Stars, again, named Arnim Whistler, and his argument is essentially when you look at kind of the mid-tier teams, and I think you classify Chicago, FC Kansas City, the Washington Spirit, um, these are kind of your 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 median teams to use yeah. his, his parlance uh, as far as fan support, fan support, revenue, uh, right. opportunity. Um, you know, he says like, well, we really should be making these kinds of decisions based on what those kinds of markets can handle. Um, so he believes that the process should be a little bit slower. He agrees that something needs to change. Um, I think that what everybody kind of lines up on is that maybe something that can be put in place for next year is uh, a system where like if you're an amateur and you get called up to the the game day roster the 18 day yeah. roster like you'll earn like a seven day salary like they'll put you on a short-term contract so at least you're earning some kind of money Which for the it. nba does for 10-day contracts right? yeah, yeah exactly and the M mls has a similar like developmental player system yeah. um and i think that's a at bare minimum something that absolutely needs to is happen. the nwsl a single entity like the mls yes Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you make a decision, you're making a decision for the league-wide. Exactly. So there's revenue sharing, quote-unquote? Uh, yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, it gets complicated by the fact that U.S. soccer is a huge player. I mean, the offices of the NWSL are in Soccer House in Chicago. I mean, okay. that's where they're based. I mean, everybody who works for the NWSL is technically an employee of U.S. soccer. So they also have, you know, certain... And you don't rights. view that as a good thing? I think that it's a good thing insofar as that it gives the league some stability. Um, because I don't think that we could have made it to a year four um, without U.S. soccer support. I think the problem with U.S. soccer's involvement is that the NWSL often takes a back seat 
uh, to a lot of the other programs that U.S. soccer runs, whether it's their youth national teams, whether it's their senior teams. You know, the NWSL ultimately becomes just another line item in the budget. And I don't know if they always put it at front and center. Well, one uh, another question I had about the uh, about the U.S. women's national team. Well, uh, we just for the last couple of months, they've been having a, a dispute as far as uh, how much they're being paid and, yeah. and uh, the, the, the wage gap between the men and the women. Uh-huh. I, I guess Which is a lot more than just the 30 percent that is at the average. Right. For the I mean, yeah, we heard what is it? 17,000 or 1700? 1, no, it's 17,000 per game for the men. And the women make like, what, 1800 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, it depends on exactly how you slice and dice the numbers. But I wrote an article for 538 about this very issue when the... the kids uh, got articles, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's no. why we brought them on. Great I don't screw around. <laughs> but uh, when they filed the EEOC complaint back uh, at the beginning of April, and um, basically if you control for a lot of different variables, um, if you actually look at um, the fiscal years for um, when each when both the men's and the women's teams were in their World Cup cycles... Um, you know, the, I estimated like a player like Carly Lloyd or Hope Solo's earnings to be maybe a little more than half of what say Clint Dempsey and Tim Howard's were for the year that they went to Brazil. Wow. And of course, then you look at what happened in those world cups, the U S women won and the men crashed out in the round of 16. So then you have to ask, well, what the hell's going on there? And of course, yeah. everybody, you know, U.S. soccer and, and people who disagree with this always lean on the revenue argument. But then if you adjust, again, for World Cup cycles, the revenues were either equal or the women actually made a little bit more. Plus, they're killing it in ratings, too. Plus, they're so. killing it in ratings. I mean... What was it, $3.6 million for the For their for the final Olympics? group stage yeah. game yeah. against yeah. Columbia during the Olympics. I That's guess right. I, I, as, as a person reading, I, I was trying to read both sides of the argument. And I, I mm-hmm. honestly, I can... Just say I don't understand. Right? Okay. So maybe uh, do you maybe you can explain to to the listeners what are what is the opposing argument? Because in logically opposing to what? So you're opposing saying to the, the the why shouldn't they get paid the same? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because it seems like they they're they're winning more. Yeah. They, people are showing up to games. Mm-hmm. Uh, more people are watching. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. More people are watching, especially the at, in the big tournament. Sounds obvious to us. So yeah. What is the opposing argument to not pay them what what should be fair? Well, when misogynist trolls come after me on Twitter, their shorthand is, "Well, it's women's soccer. Why would anybody care about women's soccer?" Uh, I mean, which is such a dickhead yeah. argument, but then the but then the other thing is like it comes down to revenue. Are men's are is men's sports is men's soccer earning more money than women's soccer? And that's not completely true. Um, and if you look at U.S. soccer's projected revenue, there is a lot to suggest that the women are going to earn more, especially in this next fiscal year, than the men are going to earn. Now, that number is probably going to change because those projections were kind of based on them actually the women, doing well like in the Olympics. Women, you know, either me- like meddling in the Olympics and going out on a victory tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think that I don't think that you can really use the revenue argument primarily because there are so many other. Uh, forces at play that have been artificially depressing the revenue earning opportunity of women's soccer. Okay. I'll say this. Um, in Brazil, it was illegal for women to play professional soccer in a lot of ways, play soccer period from 1941 to 1970, uh, 1979 illegal. Um, 
in England, it was illegal from 1921 to 1971. It's never been technically illegal in the United States, but those certainly discouraged. Yeah. Those facts should serve to demonstrate that like the women have never actually been given a fair shake to develop their sport and have resources properly allocated where they can compete in terms of revenue, in terms of market share on equal footing with the men. This is a, that's a very interesting argument. Uh, and an interesting point because it, 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 it's almost very parallel to the reparations argument when it comes to slavery, right? <laughs> Which is uh, uh, very similar. And, and yeah. like, yeah, the people were not given the same opportunities earlier on. So it's difficult to succeed right. when all when all of a sudden everybody's like, well, now go ahead. And so it's almost yeah. like that, that, also when you are doing what you want to do, you're dismissed, you know, yeah. as it's just a girl's sport or oh, it's women playing soccer. Who That's cares? That's exactly right. And I think a lot of people somewhat rightly give credit to U.S. soccer for actually putting developmental resources toward the women's game more than any other country. Um, Probably because it's also a money earner, really. Yeah, and then but then the asterisk is that people forget how little money they actually gave to U.S. soccer until uh, players like Julie Foudy and uh, Mia Hamm organized in the year 2000 and basically almost went on strike to try and make sure that they were earning proper salaries from, from U.S. Them. soccer. So let's not give U.S. soccer too much credit for that. Um, so I think when, when, when all is said and done, like you can't, make, you, can't really make the revenue arg- you can't really make the revenue argument because that's not actually how you determine somebody's earning power. What about, it? What about the Olympics? How much does this hurt them uh, sort of being booted out of the group stage? <sighs> it's a really... No, they no, they got they lost in the quarterfinals. They lost on penalties in the quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. So they yeah. did. That's right. They made which the is the worst major tournament finish that the U.S. Women's National Team has ever experienced at the Olympics or uh, at the World Cup. Which goes to show, because if this were the guys, we'd be having a parade. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Quarterfinals. Um, so Good job, dude. It's a tough right, question guys. to answer from the from the player development perspective. I don't think that we should freak out too much there is an incredible group of very young players who have come through the system over the last year is jill ellis keeping her job yeah i think she just re-upped on a big contract last year and i would be very surprised if sunil decided to cut ties with her at this point sunil galati president of u.s soccer i think she's safe we're cutting up against uh the time but i one last question hope solo we've talked about it on the podcast Mm. uh me and christian have certain ideas uh, I kind of view her as like, you, you kind of need, you know, you kind of need an asshole every <laughs> once in a while. You know what I mean? Like, you got to have a jerk. You got to have yeah. someone who rubs people the wrong way because, let's be honest, in this media circus, that kind of gets attention, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, what she said probably doesn't put America in the best light, but what do you, how do you view her? Tell, tell me what you think about it. Well, if you, oh. if for anybody, if you don't know what she said, uh, she after the, the, the loss to Sweden, she said that we basically... Played, we played a bunch of cowards, yeah. and, and you know they did the wrong team won. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, I uh, and people are really going in on her uh, after she said that. Even a lot of people, former uh, women's national team players, are yeah. really saying that how it was very classless that she said that. Well, hundred percent. But you know, sometimes we can't always have going like, oh, well, they played hard, they wanted it more. We can't have that all. She kept the time. it real. She kept it real. Mad real. A little too well, real. <laughs> Keeping it real goes wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think that besides the coward's line, she was right. I, I think for yeah. the most part. I think that look like... Look you treading that lightly. <laughs> well, you. no, I mean, but the point is like when you look at the full context of her statement, she was like, 
you know, we had more of the possession, we outshot them, we had the better chances. Uh, you know, all those things are true. Like they, you know, the U.S. had the higher quality of of play, but you know, when you are playing against a sit deep and counter team, uh, who cares of how much possession you have? You might get beat. Um, Little Catanacho. Yeah, I think that Hope Solo is an incredibly uh, complex and complicated person, and if you ever read her memoir, you'll understand why. She comes from a pretty hard uh, upbringing, a lot of chaos. Um, you know, her father was in and out of her life, uh, spent a lot of time in Dude's prison. Dude's from the Bronx. Uh, I think that might be right originally. I yeah, no, I think her dad's from the Bronx. Uh-huh. I mean, she was raised in, in, in Washington in the yeah. Seattle area, but... So she, she got that Bronx blood in her. She's like, yo, we're a bunch they, of cowards. There are times... Soft when, ass. <laughs> I think there are times when I'm like, I'm on board with her, with her real talk. Like, for example, when... You know, uh, she got benched for the World Cup semifinal in 2007, and they lost. And they brought in Brianna Scurry, who's this legend, but hadn't played competitively in a while. And they lost a game to Brazil. And she basically went to the press, is like, if I'd been playing, I would have made those saves. Like, I'm on board for that. But you know, when you when you come, like, it's just it's a, it's just a shitty thing to say. Um, say that uh, you know you played cowards. Um, yeah, it's not what you want to hear at the end of a match where you no, lost. No, like, but I also don't buy like when people are like, well, think of the children. And, like, that's nonsense. Like, who cares? Like, yeah. I, these, these players aren't. Like, I you should hear these kids. And this, this works. Yeah, they say worse, worse than yeah. cowards. Yeah, I wrote an article. I wrote an article for Howler Magazine about Hope. This kids uh, got articles. Cup last year. <laughs> this kids got articles. And, uh, and it was all about, it was right after um, some more stuff about her domestic violence issues uh, came out uh, where she. Beat up family uh, beat, members. Beat up her nephew. And, uh, and and basically, like, we have to bear in mind that we do treat male and female athletes a little bit differently when it comes to their off-field stuff. And a lot of the stuff that Hope has done wouldn't necessarily get the same type of scrutiny if it was a man doing it. I will also say that, like, we also have to really be cognizant of the fact that she probably beat the shit out of her nephew. And that is really fucked up. Yeah. And at the same time, like... You know, if Jose Mourinho said in a press conference, we played a bunch of cowards today, he'd get roasted in the press, too. And like, that's a just it's but also like we'd love it. Thing we kind of would love it, though, if he said because well, we expect him to be that way. Yeah. And so and you're saying and that's the difference. I you're think saying right here on our like, podcast that Hope Solo is the female Jose Mourinho. No, I would. Not I go think so, that's a that's a Cooligans exclusive. I would not go so far as to say that. <laughs> but, uh, exclusive. She is. She's a really complex figure. And, and she said kind of a dickheaded thing. Um and and that's and that should be the end of it. People calling for her head because she's a classless individual, I think, is kind of silly. And I think there are bigger issues with her play and her performance and the way that U.S. soccer has kind of developed goalkeepers for the senior national team setup. I think those are more important issues that we should be thinking about. I mean, what a better way to tie this up. You yeah, know? I, I, I'm more I, like I agree. I, I agree with that perspective, mainly because like overblowing it doesn't see is is she's she's the best we have and she's so good at what she does she's the best goalkeeper on earth so she's also the best shit talker i mean <laughs> so she's I, she's she gold medaled in that <laughs> i give her i give her some leeway i'm like all right yeah is is it a little out of the ordinary from what we're used to from our athletes yes but she's she's earned it a little bit that's that's my uh yeah i just i just you know like when you talk to the press if you want to say like i think the i think the better team lost on the day you know this really sucks uh you know we got we really were felt frustrated out there i think all that's fine it's just like when you're like we lost to cowards like coward that's a loaded it is it's a strong word it's a really really strong word and and you know like she controls her 
media and PR image so much and has had to she knew what she was doing when she I said think it. she I, yeah I think she probably had a little bit more awareness of what she was doing and well, then there was also like you know when she was kind of taunting Brazil with all the Zika stuff on her Instagram feed throughout the summer I'm sure it didn't help her case no so anyway she is a lightning rod let's say this she look, is that yeah look uh the Olympic uh, the women's league uh women's uh team lost national team didn't make it we thought they were going to gold medal we're going to have you back on this has been absolutely amazing I love that I mean you are really have a strong insight into the women's game and we want to talk about that more we want to learn about it more uh but guys if uh if if you want if you have any questions um, unless you want to throw some misogynistic stuff at them other than that You'll if, get you blocked. Have, if you have <laughs> any questions if you have any questions where can people find you uh I'm on Twitter at Professor Dobles D-O-B-L Yes. I've been calling you Dobbles this entire time. I, 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 I say Dobles. Dobles? <laughs> That's how it started. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll figure that out. We'll go. You know what? Let's go to Chick-fil-A where Cabin used to be and we'll talk about it. There we go. Uh, guys, um, so Professor Dobles uh, at uh, Professor Dobles on Twitter. Get at him. Have any questions about the women's game. If you're interested in getting involved um, in the women's game or learning more about it, this is the guy to follow. Yep. Uh, we're the Cooligans. We'll be back after this with a little Cooligans Corner. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Alexis Guerrero. So I'm one of the Cooligans, and I just want to talk to you guys real quick about On the Volley Apparel. Really cool clothing brand based out of uh, Southern California. They're LA Galaxy fans, but do not hold it against them. Right now, I'm wearing the most comfortable hoodie, and I'm not making that up. The most comfortable pullover hoodie I've ever owned, and it's got the Wu-Tang logo on the front with a soccer pitch inside of it. If you go to our uh, Instagram, you're going to see some of the photos of it. It's absolutely some of the coolest stuff uh, I've ever had. I want you guys to go check them out on Instagram at on the volley apparel o-n-t-h-e-v-o-l-l-e-y apparel is a-p-p-a-r-e-l check them out their website is v-a football club v-a football club.com check them out absolutely awesome clothing such cool style buy some of that stuff really support them because these guys are doing a great job producing some really really awesome stuff and we absolutely love all of their stuff and i think you guys are really going to love it too again check out that that wu-tang uh they even have that in a t-shirt so i know it's starting to be summer it's going to get nice and hot buy yourself a dope t-shirt um, i wore it on stage the other day and people kept asking me where i got it it's pretty dope i think everyone's gonna love it i think you will too check them out on the volley apparel yeah we're back baby we are back so uh we've just spoke to uh, evan davis that's right a lot of a lot of information on the women's game some stuff that i didn't know uh well we talked a little bit about hope solo kind of being a jerk we kind of knew that yeah i mean she makes that pretty clear yeah and you know what's funny it's like i said it in that i said it in that uh interview and i'll say it again i kind of like that i kind of like having you know some people that are uh kind of the jerks you know like a lot of sports have like the positive stories well i just think it's just that uh you know aggressive women scare me oh (laughs) all right something you might want to deal with on your own i'm a a very weak man that's really the issue yeah i got by the way he is not kidding people listening right now uh bird chest um so, so I, the story with the hope is that she's kind of willing to say, maybe even go overboard, but willing to say some of the things, and she's sort of cast as this villain. I think for women's soccer, we get a lot of like sweethearts. You get the pinup girls. It's not fair because uh, if a if a man, uh, if a male athlete was behaved the way Hope behaved, people would be like, "Oh, this is he really wants he's to passionate. He's passionate about the game. He really yeah, wants to yeah. win." But as he's soon as a, it's a, he's a he's a patriot, <laughs> calling those people cowards. As soon as it's a a, a woman. And everybody's like, well, I like mean, she should yeah. be, she, she should tone it down. Yeah. And I mean, if she was baking a cake while she said it, we'd be fine. That's the tone they all have. Exactly. It's very uncomfortable. The other part of women's soccer that we almost never hear about.
about is all the folks that are toiling right now, sort of in that level just before we hear about them. Um, very good in college, uh, so on and so forth. And we have someone on the phone right now uh, was at Lemoyne College, uh, captain of her team, uh, also has a connection to us. Uh, she has a connection uh, into comedy. That's how we got in touch with her. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, unless you're driving, put your hands together right now for Tori Carsaro, everyone. Tori, you there? <laughs> hey, hey, Tori. Hey guys, how there, are you? There she is. There she, right. is. All right. she was waiting to hear the applause. <laughs> All right. So, Tori, why don't you give our listeners just a, a quick little background about you? We mentioned that you had just graduated college and you were captain of the uh, of the women's soccer team there at Lemoyne. Uh, where are you? Uh, where are you now? And what are you doing? Uh, currently, just working out a lot, playing a lot of soccer, just trying to make it to that next level. Making a a move to New Jersey in about a week week and a half to Sorry continue to my that. training with uh, <laughs> with Jill Lloyden and hopefully from there, you know, get in touch with some agents, whether it be playing internationally or waiting for open trials for the NWSL. So a lot of what we're hearing uh, about a lot of these women's soccer teams, both internationally in America, is that a lot of the players are amateur level. They're not paid, even though they're playing on a professional team. Uh, what is that? How does that make you feel knowing that you're working very hard to potentially either be paid very little or not much? For me, it's never really been about the money. I know that there's not going to be this big payoff. You know, kids that are really good at football in high school or college are like, oh, I'm going to make it so I can buy my mom and dad a house, a car. You know, I never knew. I knew that was never the thing. You know, it's just about passion and loving the game and wanting to take it and fulfill a childhood dream of being a professional soccer player. And you play uh, goalkeeper, right? That's you. That is your position. Yep. And uh, I'm, I'm always curious about uh, goal, goalkeepers. Goalkeepers are a, a, a different breed of, of human being, you know? <laughs> yes, because, they are. Because it, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think what you mean is crazy. Is that what you mean? <laughs> oh, I definitely have a few screws loose, I would tell you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I guess my, I'm curious about uh, how did um, – uh, how did you feel about when you were younger and, and, and did somebody say, hey, you're going to be a goalkeeper? Or did you say this this position is calling to me? Right, because so- in baseball, it's like a catcher. It's usually the last one picked. Like when I was young, nobody wanted to be the keeper, you know, because you weren't out there running around doing crazy stuff. You had to sit back and everyone blamed you. Oh, yeah. I was probably about 10 and they were like, hey, the girl who usually plays goalkeeper isn't here. Who wants to jump in? Kind of look, you know, I look around, no one's really offering. So I was like, I'll do it. They look at me, you know, the smallest one on the team. And they're like, are you serious? And they laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I'm still small. I'm five foot four. So I'm not big by any means. But I think that what happened was I instantly fell in love. Just the whole mentality and just the pressure that you're put in. And kind of being an underdog. I think I've always been an underdog. And it's something that's like I like to rise up to the challenge. Like people think I can't do this. Oh, well, watch me prove them wrong. I mean, you know? that's a that's a tall task. No, no pun intended there <laughs> because you're five, four. I mean, we've seen uh, some other, uh, you know, shorter uh, or, or smaller than average goalkeepers be successful. But it's almost always, you know, some sort of like a uh, niche, you know, like whether they, they have like incredible jumping ability or uh, maybe they have like a small. Yeah. Tori's, Tori's five foot four, but she has a, a, you know, a 10 foot wingspan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're dragging your arms on the floor. I, how do you I mean, that's obviously got to be the first hurdle when people are looking at you for, you know, potentially uh, being the goalkeeper of their of their professional team. No. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I went to a couple open trials this past year when I was still uh, waiting to graduate. And that was the first thing I'd, you know, I'd go talk to the coach. Okay, what can I do? What do you guys, what's your advice to me? And it's like, oh, 
you know, they beat around the bush a little bit. But ultimately, what I know is like, they're like, okay, you're too small for us. It's like, it's almost like, you know, it's this and this and this, your athleticism is great. But so it's like, I I know what they're getting at. And I've had it plenty of times, trust me, growing up in club and getting recruited for college. So I, I know what they're hitting at. I mean, you, if you were the captain of your team, and I know, I don't, I don't know where LeMoyne sits on, on the scale of women's soccer college, uh, you know, uh, colleges, but if you were the captain of your team, you're obviously one, probably someone who's not afraid to tell people what to do on the back line. Uh, cause it's, it's rare for, um, a, a, a goalkeeper to be captain. You know, I'm a big Arsenal fan and we were, I was actually just having a conversation with someone yesterday and we were talking about who's really the natural leader on the team. And we said, Petr Cech. But he can't be captain because he's not out there. You know, he's all the way in the back and the goalkeeper. So for you to be captain, that obviously means you have a, you know, you're certainly willing to, to voice your opinion and tell people what to do. But it has to be difficult when you hear that your height is a big impediment when you have some natural skill or at least athletic ability. No. Yeah, it's frustrating, but it's something I've gotten used to. And I just try to focus on what I can and try to wow people with what I do have. Like, hey, you know, your initial impression of me is, oh, yep, too small. But when you see me out there in the goal doing training, uh, just hitting the ground, I want to impress you. I want to wow you. So I really try to focus in and hone in on the skills that I do have and make them just about as perfect as I can. And that's what going to Jersey is about. Working with Jill is going to be an amazing opportunity to just kind of perfect the craft and uh, try to really work on the the talent that I do possess and, you know, my strengths and then try to also fix some of those weaknesses that I have. And uh, to our listeners, uh, Jill, uh, Jillian Lloyden is uh, she's a, a former uh, a retired keeper. She works. Uh, she's a goalkeeper coach uh, for Sky Blue FC in the NWSL. And, you know, I, I love hearing this, uh, uh, this confidence because this is a very relatable uh, uh, story and, and not just in sports, but yeah. just, uh, you know, overcoming uh, the odds. And I'm just curious about uh, in, in the NWSL, in women's soccer, what is what's the average height for a goalkeeper? I, I don't even. Yeah. Would you know that, Tori? Uh, I know five, six is about considered small. Usually that's about the smallest goalkeeper I've ever heard, like uh, in the NWSL. But I would say they probably average around five nine ish. That'd be that'd be my guess. I don't know for sure. Is there a law on how big your gloves can be? Because I think <laughs> if we can get you those, like you know, your number one finger gloves, I feel like yeah, no like one will worry about your fingers. height. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you might be. I mean, you you could paddle yourself, you know, to and from the match and in water because those things are big. But uh, you know, have you has anyone ever tried to maybe make you an outfield player? You know, get get you out on the pitch. You know, I mean, if you're if you because the thing about goalkeepers and this is something that I don't think enough, you know, even average soccer fans now, you know, the goalkeepers fairly responsible for the back line, you know, sort of guiding them where to go and telling them to get compact and to come back and sort of being more of their peripheral vision. The goalkeeper has a lot to do with how the back line performs. If you have a very vocal goalkeeper, which just knowing you for a few minutes, I think you are. Uh, Have you ever thought about maybe becoming more of a of maybe a left back or a right back or maybe some type of central defender that, you know, maybe sweeps a bit more because, you know, if you're that if, if your height is that much of an impediment and but you understand the defensive game so well, maybe that's something that could be, you know, an, an, another outlet for you. 
Well, I'll let you in on something right now. Every single goalkeeper you ever talk to, if you're putting them on the field, you're putting them on forward because we think we can score any goal from any angle at any time. <laughs> that is absolutely true. I forget, you know, you see like the, these goalkeepers take the ball up and in your head, uh, you're thinking they're going all the way. There was that one famous <laughs> Colombian goalkeeper, Higuita. Um, oh, Higuita, yeah, yeah, Higuita, the, the, the dude with the, 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 the scorpion kick, where he would literally bring the ball all the way out. You know, almost like a, you know, like didn't care if the other team scored. Uh, so I, I could see you being a forward. But have you ever thought about maybe potentially training as a different position, something that maybe was a bit easier for you to get into the um, into the professional ranks with? Uh, I th- at this point, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to make that switch. But I, I look back and I'm like, huh, I wonder what my career would have been, what it would have been like if I chose field because there came to a point when I was probably about 12 where they're like all right you got to pick a position stay with it because I used to flip-flop back and forth between forward and goalkeeper like I do half here half there but that was when I was real young and then they want you to focus in and honestly I don't think if I had a choice to do it over again I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything because no matter how many times people tell me I can't do something or they prejudge me based on size it I it doesn't matter I just love goal goalkeeping so much speaking of uh goalkeeping and and uh, who who are some of your uh you know uh your guys or girls in uh, your your keepers that you want to emulate who you look up to and, and what you know when you were younger growing up i've had the t- through college every summer trained with the same girl and i kind of always always admired her and she's just like a local goalkeeper trainer that i had played at william smith uh Made it to the final four a few times. Her name's Nikki Nikki Murphy, and I always really looked up to her. But uh, in the professional ranks, I would have to say right now, I really like David De Gea. Okay. He's like a super athletic, really skilled goalkeeper. Uh, You know, American, so obviously Tim Howard. Yeah, I mean, you know, Secretary of Defense, right? We're big fans here. Uh, Christian is a big Everton fan, so he loves Tim Howard. Um, It's funny you say De Gea because... uh, People said when he first went to Manchester United that uh, his height was actually kind of bad for him because they were angling a lot of shots low, you know, low into the outside post or to his near post where he wasn't able to get down and stop. Uh, So it's so funny that you said that because it's, you know, he's probably handling criticism differently than you are. And I have to say, just listening to your uh, confidence is pretty incredible. And, And we talk about the parallels between, you know, the American soccer player and comedians that we are, you know, struggling, working very hard. You know, that money may not necessarily be you know, the result of success, you know, but it's, it's working because it's something you're very passionate about. And that's super clear just listening to you. So that's really awesome. I think we're all pulling for you. That's for sure. One, one thing oh, I was, thank you. One thing I was curious about was uh, just your, you know, I, I, I've never been uh, in, you know, when I was younger, I wasn't uh, potentially trying to play uh, a professional sport. So, uh, you, you know, my, my childhood was mostly uh, was serial and video games, right? So <laughs> a lot of computers. This <laughs> so guy. What, what was, uh, you know, what was your childhood like with with uh, once you made that uh, choice or, or your family helped you make the choice of, hey, this could possibly lead to something real, a real a professional career? What was, uh, you know, the training like? What was, uh, the, the, you know, the traveling like? Uh, you know, how, how did your parents sort of uh, adjust to to this this possible dream? Right, because the story of, uh, of soccer, you know, youth in America is all these different travel teams. Did you have that as well? Not nearly as crazy as it is today. And I would say, not to like pat myself on the shoulder or whatever, but I would say I definitely had humble beginnings, you know, starting with rec soccer and then playing 
kind of just travel soccer, not on a very serious team until I was about in high school. Then I looked at it and I looked around and I was like, okay, I need to get on a more serious team because I care more about this sport and I want to play more than these other girls that I'm playing with. So that's kind of when I took the leap and uh, went to like a premier club, premier uh, travel club in Syracuse and started playing at a higher level. And from then on out, I knew, you know, I need to, I need to get a college scholarship. I want to go to college. And I think I always wanted, just as any little kid who plays a sport, wanted to play professionally, but I didn't realize like, okay, I'm really going to go after this with everything I got until I was in college. It's probably about my junior year of college. I was like, I said to my mom, you know, I, I really want this. I want to play professional soccer. And she's like, okay, didn't bat an eye, didn't question it. That's an Never, awesome mom. I, yeah, no, the thing about my parents is they're great. They've They've driven me all over the place, whether it's just for practice or for training and Really, I think they've believed in me more sometimes than I've ever believed in myself. And to have a support system like that really is what drives me. That's awesome. I mean, where are you with it now? I know you're you're moving to New Jersey slash like South Jersey, Pennsylvania area to train with uh, to train with uh, Jillian. And, you know, there's what is what is the next move for you? Is it to are there open tryouts that you're hoping to get to for the next season? What let us know a little bit about what's the next step for you after or what this training may hopefully lead to for you. So the next step, I guess I would say, is probably open tryouts unless I can get in contact with some teams overseas, which I think that'd be kind of ideal for me. I have a better shot of actually making a team, I think, personally, and like playing overseas just because there are so many more opportunities. You know, there's only a limited amount of teams and then what each team needs, two or three goalkeepers. So that doesn't leave a lot of opportunity in the States. So um, right now it's just going to be, you know, kind of going all out for these next five months in terms of getting better with my goalkeeping and just getting stronger and faster and uh, trying to hit those open tryouts. And if uh, if I can get an agent, try to get them to represent me on an international level. Nice. Maybe what? hit up Barca and find out what uh, what pills or needles uh, Messi took when he was thirteen. Right? <laughs> like he was like he was going to be like four foot eleven, and uh, they they helped him out. You never know. <laughs> I think you're going to make it no matter what height you're at. But you know, uh, it's certainly I think you're right. You know, overseas a lot of uh, a lot of clubs out there. Well, if uh, right. any agents uh, are listening, <laughs> you, yeah. uh, Tori, just just say your phone number on the air. I mean, tell them to email you and just yeah. Uh, well, 100%. Send my number their way. 100%. If there's any agents listening or anyone who knows or can get in touch with someone to help Tori out, please email us and we will be more than happy at soccercooligans at gmail.com. We will be more than happy to forward that back to Tori uh, and get you guys all, all hooked up. Uh, Tori, if there's anyone listening or anything, I mean, what is, what is the last thing you want uh, you know, our fans to hear about you? Oh, about me? Yeah. Like where also where could they follow your story? Like, do you have a blog or something that you're keeping right now? Uh, no, but I got a Twitter and I'm pretty funny on there. There you go. So what's your Twitter handle? Give it to everybody. At Tori Corsaro. Spell that out for us. T-O-R-I-C-O-R-S-A-R-O. That's absolutely awesome. Tori, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. We wish you all the best of luck. We're all going to follow you on Twitter. Let us know how you're doing. Put up a couple videos. Maybe even tag us in it. We'll retweet it so we can let our fans follow your story. And, and hopefully there's – and I believe there will be a really, really positive ending to the whole thing. Yeah, it's going to be – It's just, I just, I, I'm dying to see like videos of, of you know of a five foot four woman making diving saves <laughs> yeah, in a yeah. corner of a free kick. That would be like it's, – it's miraculous. It's like Nate when Nate Robinson 
Robinson, you know, from uh, he played he played basketball in the Knicks. He's a short he's a short guy. Always, you know, the the story is he always dunked over Yao Ming. He dunked over. Oh, no, he, he blocked Yao Ming <laughs> shot. <laughs> so it's yeah, like he it, blocked Yao Ming shot. Yao Ming, the tallest guy ever. Yeah, in the NBA, and he, here he comes. It's stories like these are not you know it's not impossible because it's it's been done before. So it, it's just uh, and and it, when when someone who you don't expect uh, to have that sort of skill or ability does have that skill and ability it's even more of like a a, yeah it's like a fan favorite spectacular thing to see it's so absolutely uh thank you so much for taking the time of your day tori all right all right guys well that was it man you've heard two amazing interviews and uh hopefully you feel it's amazing yeah well we we feel that way we do and we learned a lot more about the women's game we did uh yeah it was uh eye-opening for a lot of people i think i would hope that that was uh you know the the results of listening to those uh interviews yeah and if you are interested you can continue to follow uh you know evan uh at professor dobbles mm-hmm. or dobles if you will uh and you can continue to follow tori's uh story uh uh, you have her uh, in her uh, Twitter is at Tori Casaro. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's get her into NWSL, guys. Yeah, guys, let's, come on, write write your congressperson. <laughs> uh, get her in there. Uh, uh, but really I mean, fun. But how cool of a story would it be if she made it? Because of the cool Because of the cool Not because of her raw natural not, not talent because, and all the hard work she put in. <laughs> no, no, we, because it of was because of, because of the, the, the campaign that we put, uh, uh, put forth uh, to get people to know uh, what she does and how good she is, how great would that be? That would be great. And if not in the uh, in the NWSL, maybe over to Europe like she wants, mm-hmm. something along those lines. I know I'm going to be following that story. What about you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be following it as well. Yeah, but... you're damn right, because I'm going to make you do it. Uh, this was you're a fun... Really put me on the spot there. <laughs> was it really well, putting you on the what spot? I, was I going to be like, nah, I'm good. Imagine. I'm just like, I got to be honest, I'm not, not that interested. No. <laughs> no. I'll look it up on Rotten Tomatoes first. Uh, listen, this was a great episode. Thank you so much, Evan. Thank you so much, Tori. Uh, yeah, and thank you so much for our listeners for listening. And hey, if we got any new listeners uh, that are uh, women's soccer fans, uh, continue to listen. We're always talking about soccer, and we'll start talking a little bit more about the women's game. Uh, that and more every time you listen to that. Cool again!